0: Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at DivorceNet.ca.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Darren Javag here, host of Clean Break, the podcast. Always, as always, as always, my awesome co-host, Tina Murray.
0: Yes, I am here again.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you join me on every show because you know what? It's just a new it, every every day is a new a new adventure.
0: You never know what you're gonna get. You'd never me. know.
1: It's it's kind of like that box of chocolates, you know? Like you're just grabbing right. them and you're like, wow. I didn't like this one so much but these ones were amazing yeah.
0: you know the little thing you get in it that tells you what you can eat yeah I just throw you, that out yeah you do okay. I just I just
1: take my chances I
0: don't eat a lot of chocolate so when I do I want to enjoy it I don't want to bite into something that what yeah. that what I like I've done that the hard
1: caramel ones or the ones that oh, have the, yeah. the anyways let's yeah. get off oh get my off, goodness
0: off. Darren, you and I could just talk about anything, I think.
1: Pretty much. That's the fun part of the show, though, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. It is. And so, yeah, we have another show. And we have our returning guest with us again today. Following our um, themes of transitions. Transitions, clean breaks. So, yeah, we talked about it in an earlier podcast about how clean break, the name we, we gave to this podcast years ago, is really a great is a great name. It is a great name because it's really transitioned into what we're doing now. And so we have Adam Mills who was our resident realtor uh in the Clean Break organization. Welcome to the show again.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's great to uh great to be back on the uh on the show with you guys. And uh and yeah, today's topic is uh pretty cool and I'm excited to kind of dive into it with you guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking, we've talked a lot about divorce and separation with you and how to divide the house and, you know, all the downfalls and pitfalls and upfalls of, of, uh, you know, working as a realtor to help sell a house for a couple, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're actually going to talk about a really cool subject that in my world is coming up quite a bit.
1: Um, Yeah. There's a demographic of the 50 plus yeah. Uh, cl- uh, people families right. who are changing you know like their their lives right um and so today we're talking about transitioning and downsizing or right sizing your yeah. life from yeah. and and from your home because your home is probably one of your biggest assets you ever own right and now what do you do with it when you're 50 years old your kids have moved out you're just the two of you living in the house and uh you got all this equity built up in the property because you paid it off mm-hmm. so that's what we're going to talk about today
0: well and you know and and i you know, on a personal note, so I am in my fifties, I still have a couple of my children living at home. And I I recently said to somebody, I don't think I'm going to right size just yet, or even for if I ever will, because my oldest has moved away, like away enough that when he comes home, he has to stay at our house. So I'm thinking, well, when he comes home, if he comes home with his wife, not he's not married yet, but comes home with his wife and potentially children. I yeah. want to have space for him. Yeah. Right. I right. want to, I want to have him at my house. So that's.
1: I don't blame you because Sylvia wants, like Sylvia's already said that we're going to die in our house and we've, we have this 3,500 square foot home and it's like, we have seven kids with us sometimes. Like we only have two, but it always seems like we're always inheriting right. people's like kids and stuff everywhere. Right. And and I, I I agree. Like I'm I'm like thinking probably by even into our 60s when we have children grandchildren, that they'll be coming back to our house when right. we want the space.
2: Yeah.
1: But eventually, everybody I think kind of gets to a crossing point, wouldn't you say, Adam?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think I think the age kind of. Uh, I mean, it fluctuates depending on everyone's story, but. Um, I would say it's definitely kind of like the 60 to 70 crowd that I'm seeing a lot more of now that's in that kind of right-sizing or or downsizing mode, Um, exactly for the reasons you guys just talked about. I mean, people who are in their 50s and and going into their 60s typically have, you know, children that could be, uh, you know, in university and or still kind of landing in like like that kind of career mode. Mm -hmm. So they still want to have, you know, like a, a nest, if you want to call it a nest. That, you know, their kids can, you know, can kind of come back to if they need that kind of, you know, uh that that moment in time, like a lily pad to come back and stay there for a bit and then jump off the next mm-hmm. thing. Um But I mean, once, once the kids get into a, a position or a state where, you know, they're stable and they, they don't really, you know, there's not a, a high probability they're coming back. That's when I find a lot of people start thinking, OK, you know what, this 3,500 square foot house that has five bathrooms, you know, we use one, maybe two of them. You know why am i why am i cleaning five bathrooms like what's the purpose of all this you know like the grounds are a lot to maintain like what what am i doing with my life i'm I'm a slave to my house so <laughs> it's
1: funny uh, that, that's you when that i think that it's funny that you mentioned that because i have a client that came to see me once uh and his kids had moved out and they were barely out like they just finished university they were renting their own places and and he said we're downsizing now and i said well <laughs> do you want to, you to wait a couple of years or something and he's like no no he goes I want to I want to downsize to the point where no one can come back and live with me again mm-hmm. and I'm like okay mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he was like if I don't have the space they can't ask Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah.
2: tough
0: love tough love <laughs> yeah. and you know and I thought of that too I did think of that my my goal is to always sort of buy a rental property in a small community small lot nice house but nothing too fancy rent it out for five or ten years and then when I'm ready to downsize or right size whatever you want to call it these days um I was able to and I was you know capitalizing on a great market but we missed that market and now COVID prices <laughs> well, so,
1: that leads yeah. us into the question actually it's a good good way to segue into the question so Adam how is the real estate market doing these days like is are things kind of getting back to a semi-normal state
2: yeah I mean it's funny we were having a, a meeting this past week with the team and kind of going through and uh, we we do like a team meeting every every Monday and just, you know, have a state of the union say, okay, what's going on? What are you guys seeing out there? You know, what kind of uh, transactions have you done recently? Have you been in multiple offers or not? Um, and everyone on, on our team uh, kind of agreed that they're not seeing a strong seller's market as much anymore. Mm-hmm. That, it, that things are really like they're living and feeling a lot more like a balanced market, um, which means sellers can still achieve a good result. You know, things may not sell in, you know, one to five days. They may have to be patient and, and wait you know, a few weeks to a month. Um, and for buyers, you know, if they're going to be, you know, offering on a property, um, the chance of having multiple offers and it being, you know, say 10 offers on a property is is slim to none right now. So um, it's a, it's really a balanced market. It's a great market. It's, it's a comfortable market where everyone, both buyer and seller, can walk away from the process going, oh, that was fair. Mm-hmm. Like no one feels as though that they were slighted. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a great market right now. Yeah. yeah. So well, certainly, yeah, more, can... I mean, everyone we're talking to is happy. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: People, people actually able to put conditions in, right. Mm. Rather than yeah, condition free. And that makes me the mortgage broker very happy. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it does open yeah. a, a door. It does open a door of opportunity though. Like the, the, in the, the higher prices. Um, I know we've seen quite a number of people come from outside the region of, mm-hmm. of North Granville and even Ottawa mm-hmm. uh, that have come from the Toronto's and stuff like that. And and said, you know what, we're gonna sell our house at a profit, wipe out our mortgage if we have any, and then literally retire early mm-hmm. and come out to, to other regions. But I guess there's been a bit of a normalization in prices now, right? Like, I mean, it's not the same as um maybe three years ago when you could buy a house in 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 North Grenville or even in Ottawa um at the same rate. Like you couldn't sell a $1.5 million house in Toronto, come out here, buy a half a million
2: dollar house and it'd be what it was three years ago.
1: Right. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's, we're not at the same uh, price point level as Toronto, that's for sure. Um, but I mean, Toronto—if you go back a few years—it was kind of like a like a three to one. You know, you could buy three houses in Ottawa or one in Toronto, and it'd be, it'd be the same cost. Right. That's that's no longer the case. I mean, there certainly a, it's cheaper here than there, but it's the margins not not as large.
0: Agreed. Yeah, okay. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sort of the the whole downsizing. Um, Phenomena, I guess. What, what, what drives or motivates people? I know we've kind of mentioned it a little mm-hmm. bit, but what are some of the specific reasons people want to do it, in your, in your opinion, that you're seeing?
2: Um, so a lot of people, it comes down to uh, a lifestyle change, which I think surrounds a few things. So one, it would be just the overall maintenance and time that they're spending on maintaining the property and the, the inside of the house itself from a, a cleaning perspective. Um, and then it's the lifestyle idea. I mean, to, to leave and to lock the door of a 3,500 square foot house with those, those five bathrooms we were talking about, I mean, to lock the door and say, okay, I'm going to go uh, south for a, a couple of months every year, that doesn't feel as safe and secure as locking the door to a smaller home um, for whatever reason for most people. And then there's less moving parts, there's less to take care of. So I think it's, the, it's a whole lifestyle switch. I mean, people realize they don't need the space. Um, and, and from there, they would rather, you know, just simplify life, be able to say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to close the door to my, to my home. It's going to be easy. I'll go and travel. I'll do the things I've been wanting to do. I I don't need the space for kids. Uh, so I think that, I think it's really, it's, it's, it's lifestyle and and just simplification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interesting about
1: lifestyle change is, is I think it's important for people to have a process to follow, right? You know, you might have that, burning feeling that you need to make a change but it doesn't have to be rushed Mm -hmm. i think number one Mm -hmm. so you have to have a plan of what is it you're trying to accomplish and and a a process that that you're going to follow to get you to the other side of it right because it can be a pretty overwhelming thing right of changing your lifestyle so i think one of the things you and i adam we've discussed this before is that is that people partners really have to talk to each other Mm -hmm. about what their expectation is on the change of the lifestyle like you just you just mentioned um because people can go into
2: what are some options like they can rent right they can rent you can go into like the condo world um uh, maybe look for a freehold it could be a you know a freehold town in in the city or outside um but yeah i mean certainly they need to talk um you know I, i've had clients in the past where they said oh we're going to downsize and one one partner says, you know, like, I I've always wanted to live in the city. I want to be able to walk to coffee shops and go to a you know to live music, and that's just my vision. And the other one goes, oh, that's interesting. Like you know, I, I love the idea of having a big garden and being you know out in the countryside. So I mean, yeah. before they pull the trigger and 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 go through the process of getting their home ready, they really need to be in alignment on 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 where that next kind of lifestyle piece or that next step is going to be for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my parents are you know getting up there and my dad is in his 80s and mom will soon be um but it's funny because they live in a big you know two-story home they are on a half acre lot just outside of a small city and they you know my dad wants to stay there Mm -hmm. my mom is like and I think she could convince my dad eventually to move, but he's 84, so I'm not sure when she's <laughs> yeah. going to convince him. To do this, right? But they—they're yeah. always—they, you know—they went to one car. Mm -hmm. So, you know, pre pandemic, they had two vehicles, because even though they were in their, you know, late, late 70s, early 80s, they were still quite busy doing things going places all the time. So needed two vehicles, right. And now they've, you know, right sized to one vehicle. And Mm -hmm. my mom will say things like, well, if we need, if we need the two, then I'll one of us will cab it into town. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. you know, so ultimately, that's another way that people are right sizing, because while they want to remain in this home, they don't need the two vehicles right so Mm -hmm. um and then she says well if we can't get up the stairs then we you know we change the dining room into a bedroom or we bring one of those um stair stair lifts lifts or whatever so but I think ultimately if my mom had her way she'd move
1: right to a
0: one-story home in a community
1: right and and that's the thing is it's 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 different for everyone Mm -hmm. what they what they want what their lifestyle Mm -hmm. is right so I think that in itself might be a process where you have to negotiate with your partner for probably some time oh,
0: this, to find this, some middle
1: ground. This right?
0: debate's been going on yeah. for years, 10 years, at least that I can think of, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so, uh, you don't
2: want to people is it's, it's, like sure. what we say to people all the time is like the, the idea of downsizing or right sizing, um, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a long process to kind of get their head, everyone's heads around and be aligned on the same page. Yeah. And then just the actual like process to follow when they're, you know, decluttering and going through all of the things they've accumulated over the years and yeah. figuring out, you know, am I keeping this stuff? Am I giving it to, to my children or am I donating it? I mean, that's a big process and all those things have emotional attachments. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the, the whole process itself, I'd say really is it's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint.
0: So talk about the decluttering process because that is
2: huge. It's a big one. Yeah, I
0: big. I'm in the process of helping a, a family friend declutter and it's and it's been you know 40 years of clutter, you know, yeah. and it's huge. And so talk can you talk to that to us about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, really it's just a matter of taking a systematic approach and So once you've decided, okay, I'm selling this home and I'm going into maybe it's a condo. So at that point in time, you have to recognize you have to now fit inside the walls of those of that condo. And obviously all the things in your large home aren't coming with you. So it's a matter of of kind of tagging or flagging the things that you know are coming over that makes sense to bring to the condo. Everything else doesn't make sense. It's a matter of going through it and saying, okay, does, does, you know, does a family member want this stuff? Is there someone I can donate this to? You know, maybe my, I can give it to my church group if that's what I'm a part of. Um, and then from there, it's you know getting rid of of, of the rest. But it's it's going through in layers and you know, in a systematic way um, mm-hmm. is the best approach to to tackle it. Otherwise, it's completely overwhelming and yeah. you'll just basically look at the house and you'll never start.
0: Yeah. So
2: you know, yeah. pick a room and start.
1: And and that's a fear for people. And it, like this isn't for these people, but people who hoard typically have for attachment sure. because mm-hmm. they're fearful of loss. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what I found, and and I know, again, we've talked about this, about how do you make that emotional transition to decluttering your house. And one of the things that I've always found that works with clients is, is why not build a process in place where, like you said, Adam, bring your family into it, Mm -hmm. see if they want something first. So pick a couple days where you get together as a family, you bring everyone together and you say, you know here's some things that i've acquired some furniture some uh, items mm-hmm. toys not toys models right. things you know that that are knickknacks to you but they're they're valuable because there's a story behind it and i always uh i always say if if you offer it to someone and you provide the story of how you acquired it right. it now becomes less stressful for you to get get rid of it because you're not really getting rid of it you're you're giving it to someone else to take care of right
0: you're not discarding it into the into the garbage
1: yeah Yeah. i have a client actually it's interesting he he used to be an engineer for building ships and he's in his 80s and he's got this massive like like the 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 steering wheel what do they call that Uh, you know that they steer the boats with but it's solid wood all in brass and it was in you know uh, a ship from the 1800s it's absolutely gorgeous and it's the middle of his living room and he was so attached to that and other things that he'd acquired over his life because he built ships and this was his this was who he was right he but he couldn't fit it all in the new house the condo that he was moving to and he was so stressed about it i said that's it i'm coming over to talk to you so i went over and had a coffee with him and i said have you offered to give this to anyone in your family, and he's and his first reaction was nobody wants it. I mean, why would anyone want you know this giant steering wheel or this this propeller, uh, you know, or something like that? And I said, well, I think the first step is just seeing, asking, mm-hmm. right? And then when they come over, telling them the story about how that that came into your life, right? Well, he actually tried that, like he did it, and he got rid of almost. He said, I got rid of stuff I didn't even want to get rid of because people were walking in saying. <laughs> I have that too (laughs) and then he was like yeah you can have that sure and then he was telling the stories but I think it brought his stress
0: yeah
1: down because all these things are part of who we are as people Mm -hmm. right so when you think about getting rid of them you feel like you're losing part of yourself Mm -hmm. but if you impart them on others then maybe that part of your life lives on yeah right yeah isn't it I think uh, anyways he was he was he felt much less stress about yeah. transitioning at that point. And I think, I think another part of that is also focusing on um, the positive aspects of what you're transitioning to mm-hmm. rather than the loss of what you think you're going to lose, you know, the things that you're going to lose. Right. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah.
0: Part, so. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just to further that. So uh, similar, similar thing. Um, one, this help friend I'm helping to help her family declutter she um so we you basically went in the attic and spent like a day just cleaning out and at the beginning we brought everything down put it on the deck and we're going through every box and then we realized there was just things that were like 40 years old of files you know financials and stuff that really we didn't need to go through anymore open the Mm -hmm. box see it's financials throw it in in the trailer to go right Mm -hmm. and so what we were able to do in that regard because there's a lot of decluttering that needs to happen is that we were able to sort of narrow it down to a small group of things that needed to be gone through that -hmm. were personal things and then I literally said to the gentleman um do you have a use for this well, I don't even know what it is. Okay, so it holds no sentimental value to you. And he said, like it was records, it was like Tchaikovsky records. It was in a really nice thing. I said, do you have a record player? Mm. No. Do you foresee getting a record player? No. I don't even know where it came from. So I don't, I said, so you have no emotional attachment to this. And he said, no. Yeah. I said, great, we're getting rid of it. And so <laughs> we were able to, Get everything out, and then the next day came back and cleaned out one of the spare bedrooms, and then anything that he had a sentimental attachment to or felt he wanted to keep is going into that room.
1: Ah, good.
0: And then at the end, when because we've got a, they they're going to downsize considerably, um, we can still go in that room and know everything in there has some kind of value. But look, it—we're not going to get everything into this new place, so let's go through this room again. And say, what can we get rid of?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right So yeah, you, doing
2: it kind of like in, in phases and like and then just re, like kind of re- repeating the person saying, okay, this is the stuff we think we want. Let's look at it one more time, and just make make sure if it's actually staying on that, that list.
0: Right mm-hmm. right. So it's it's a tough situation though. like it's like you have 40 years or 50 years or however long in a home and you know it has sentimental value mm-hmm. to you because you live there with your wife and your wife is now past and
1: memories you
0: know it's tough like I can't even imagine what you do to help do you come in and sort of say to people "Well, we need to do this first before you're ready to be at the point of selling
2: yeah I mean I certainly get like that first kind of sweep and, and, and work with them on that and then uh, we have an interior designer a stager um, that'll come meet with them as well depending on how much stuff they need to kind of go through in that initial kind of purge yeah. um, it doesn't makes sense to have the stager meet with them right away otherwise you know she'd be focusing on things that the owners already know you Mm -hmm. know they already know if they can't bring half their furniture with them or they have a bunch of knickknacks and things the stager's obviously not going to love all that stuff like that anyway from a a sale perspective so it's good for the owners to do their own initial kind of sweep and i'll I'll help guide them on that and then from there yeah the stager comes through and, and and helps fine tune and tweak things to make it look we say you take your home and convert your home from a home into a showroom. That's mm-hmm. the goal, because uh, buyers buy showrooms; they don't buy homes.
1: So, Adam, do you recommend that people, you know, like after they've decluttered and then they've, let's say, given to the United Way or 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 Goodwill or something like that, whatever they're not going to keep in the family, do you recommend that they that clients use um, maybe a, a storage a storage facility so when they're staging the house, it's it looks very tidy like would you do something like that usually
2: yeah it depends on it really depends on the house and the space i mean if they have an unfinished part of their basement um that is adequate to put most things down there then certainly we'll use that space first mm-hmm. um the other option depending on time of year and the type of stuff we're moving uh garage is okay to use as well right. um as long as the, the, the golden rule if you're going to be you know putting things in the unfinished part of the basement or the garage is that when a buyer looks into that space you want them to still appreciate the overall size of it. Right. You know, so if you, if, you, if you fill a double car garage, wall to wall and like floor to ceiling, a buyer will open the door and go, I don't know if my car can fit in here. <laughs> you know, this is just, I can't see what I'm looking at, right? So they they'd lose that sight. But if you organize it in a nice way, you can still put a ton of stuff into that garage and people will open it up and see, see over top of everything and say, wow, there's a lot of space in here. I could easily get my two cars. So it's just you have to make sure they still can have the vision of how they would you know, use that space. Right, um, but certainly if there's not enough space, in yeah, a pod that you know be dropped off, loaded, and, and removed, uh, or storage locker, those are all uh,
1: good options. And not to mention the, the 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 go-tos on real estate, which is is clean up your house, do like fix the little things, fresh coat of paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut the grass, <laughs> mm-hmm. plant some flowers, yeah. you know. You know little what things. I'm
0: noticing and I don't know if you do it or if it's common practice but um, you'll go online and you'll see you know realtors you know this is coming up or here's a new listing I have and then you'll see and you'll go in and you'll do the virtual you know walk through of that house and it's got it's been staged virtually so
2: yeah, so there's, there is virtual staging that we can uh, we can do, and depending on uh, the house and the space, we'll do that. Um, so if it's a completely empty home and uh, let's, let's just say the main living space, there's a kitchen, living room, dining room, it's all this one big open zone. So when it has no furniture, we take a picture of it, all you see is a giant open room and right. buyers look at it online and go, well, this doesn't make sense. What's this for? Mm-hmm. right? So then we'll, we'll virtually drop in furniture in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And that will help people look at it and identify, okay, this is how this would be or could be set up. Right. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an option. Uh, I mean, there's some compliance things that we have to do on our end to disclose so people know that it is, in fact, virtually staged is not real life. Because um, the, the scale on things, you do it virtually, I mean, you try and have it be proportionate, but it can be skewed. So you, you have yeah. to disclose it because they get there and they go, Hey, on that picture, I saw a giant sectional couch and there's no way a sectional couch is going to fit here. <laughs> I, um, then, I mean, we don't want to get ourselves in, in trouble <laughs> over a couch. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. so yeah, there's, there's, there's pros and cons.
0: So if a client comes to you and says like, if we want to, we want to right size, we, you know, uh, we really, we know we need to leave. We just don't know what we want. Mm. Like, how do you walk people through? Like, do you ever have to walk people through that process?
2: Totally. Yeah. So it's, it's about probing and asking them. And like one of our core values as a, as a team, and as a brokerage, we always say is we want to understand your story. You know, so people like realtors can focus on bedrooms and bathrooms and garage spaces. That's all very surface stuff. Um, but we want to dive deeper and understand their story. So, you know, where are their kids? Where do their kids live? Are they going to come back? Are they going to have grandkids coming back? Um, you know, where do they like to go? Do they like to walk through parks, go to coffee shops? Like we try and really dive into that lifestyle component for them. Mm-hmm. And just by probing and asking questions, because it makes them speak. And then they actually hear each other speak. Because a lot of times partners don't, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds silly, but they don't hear each other speak, you know, about these things. Mm-hmm. But when they're at the table and we're asking all these questions, they go, oh, I didn't know you wanted that. Absolutely. So, I mean, <laughs> as you, you dive through that, I mean, it's, it's not that we're going to get them to the the finish line on it uh but we'll certainly get them to a point where they've at least heard each other speak mm-hmm. and then make you know we encourage them go and do a drive around go and drive through this neighborhood this might achieve what you're looking for and to see how it feels mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. i love that i really love that yeah it is that. good yeah, yes. you got to you got
2: to go
1: deep you got to go deep because no one wants to get to something and regret the, t- the, the decision that they made.
0: Well, and right? I think that, you know, realistically, all of us in our businesses, it's, you know, we've gotten to know each other and and it's not about just selling houses. It's not about just giving investments or, or get, mm-hmm. you know, giving people mortgages. It's, it really truly is about going deeper with our clients, understanding what they need, what they want, and maybe helping them interpret what they need and what they want. Because yep. sometimes yep. I imagine people can say to you, I want this, 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 and this. And then when you do that deep dive, you realize that's really not what they want, even though they think that's what they want.
2: Hmm. Yeah, sad. the uh it's it sounds terrible, but the expression we have is buyers are liars. So what, what they originally <laughs> they originally say they want usually has nothing to do with what they really want. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, once you once you help them dive a little deeper on things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: So we've talked about, you know, decluttering
1: staging the house so that it sells properly yeah. we talked about all that
0: options what, what they can buy options yeah. talking
1: about where yeah. they're going to live in lifestyle right yeah. so yeah. now let's talk about other getting organized things like having a financial plan having a will updating their will and mm-hmm. updating their power of attorney right mm-hmm. and I cannot tell you how important it is to have a new will Right. I know in my industry I always say to people, you know, if your will is your wills and power of attorney are anything more than five years old, you really should have them looked at because everyone's life changes and the law changes mm-hmm. around how beneficiaries are treated, who can be a proper beneficiary in a will. Or I mean anyone can be a beneficiary in a will, but what will cause the most? Um what will be this the this easiest streamlined process to get your estate resolved mm-hmm. is very important because every word counts in a will and a power of attorney. Right, so updating it is always in, incredibly important, and obviously your financial plan. Because if your financial plan was built ten years ago when you were still putting your kids to school, mm-hmm. and now you've got this house that you can sell, and maybe I, we're going to talk to you about this, but refinance it and mm-hmm. use some of that equity to help you finance your retirement, mm-hmm. then your plan has to be updated as well. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about that, Adam. I think you you mentioned there's some opportunities in powers of attorney when people are you know dealing with selling. Oh houses.
0: yeah, you. Yeah, I heard this story. Yeah, so
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> what a segue. Uh, yeah. We
2: had uh, so we had a, we had a client recently that um, you know it, she was helping her parents. You know, they they had a home that they lived in for you know for uh, I think since the '80s. So I mean, you know, thirty plus years, and um, they were you know still a very sound mind, but just didn't want to take on the stress of having to go through the selling process. So they said to their daughter, you know, let's get a power of attorney. Um, you know, we had this trip we've always wanted to do. They wanted to go out east, so they said, you know, we're going to go out east uh, for a month. And um, you know, if, if she can take care of selling the home, you know, working alongside me, then they'd be, you know, thrilled. So mm-hmm. they took off, went on this trip, and, and saw friends and family out there. And uh, and I worked with the daughter directly because she had this an updated power of attorney um, to sell the home. So the parents came home, house was sold, they were able to move into their their next kind of you know right sized property. And they they said to me I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, how did it go? Is there anything any questions like this is the easiest process I've ever I've ever done. This is amazing. And but it's it's because they didn't do anything, right? They they gave the they gave their daughter the, the ability to handle it and, and they just enjoyed themselves. Which I think at that stage in life, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, that's a fabulous idea. I I'm totally impressed with that. Yeah. That's- it, yeah. change,
1: it completely changes the experience, Absolutely. right? Because you're like, you know, yeah. y- you have ultimate trust in your realtor and your uh, your child mm-hmm. and an adult child, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, but, and then you come back and it's done for you. I mean, it's great. I, I, I would love that too. Right. <laughs> Especially if you have the place already picked out, like where you're moving into,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: then it's just, imagine that you give that part away too, the moving mm-hmm. of the process. Mm-hmm. You just walk into your new
2: place. Oh my God, I'm totally doing that.
0: Yeah. Did they have a, <laughs> did they have a place already picked out?
2: They did, yeah. So and then the furniture that they were going to keep was already moved there for them, and everything else. The the daughter and then along alongside some uh, of the people that we connected her with uh, took care of of getting everything else out of the house. We sent our handyman in to fix things up. Our painter went through uh, and did some some tidy up. So I mean, yeah. That's like, what Darren's saying. That's what happened to the parents. They they left a home that they'd lived in for 30 plus years. After they selected what things they want to keep, they now they came back a month later and they just moved into their new place.
0: Well, that you know, for me, that that actually gives me, as much as I like that idea, a little bit of anxiety to give up all that control. But (laughs) all the power to them.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think it's part of having that bigger conversation, the deep dive,
0: right? When everyone's
1: in the room, right? Right. Because if you feel that you've been heard and what your interests and values have been understood, yeah, then it's then you know you'd probably, I know, I'd probably be comfortable with it if I thought I was heard, right? right? So, um. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about mortgages then. So is there anything people should be aware of? They've downsized this place. Maybe the house has paid off. They have no more mortgage. But now they've moved into this place and they want to put a mortgage on the new place for another reason, which I'll talk about after you answer the mortgage question. (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: you know, really, realistically, like working with you, Darren, has taught me a lot, right, personally, about, you know, leveraging equity in your home Mm -hmm. to do the investing. So this is what actually my husband and I have done. We've leveraged the equity in our home to do some investing, right? right? Because I know over time, I'm going to make more Mm -hmm. than I will on, um, than I will on,
1: what you're the, paying. than what I'm paying, right? right.
0: So yeah. I mean, I, I'm always a bit averse to debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, what? It, it, and the thing is, it's all about the debt servicing, right? Can you actually afford to pay that, right? So there are definitely there are advantages to having no mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. you know, as much as that's how I earn my living, there are advantages to having no mortgage, because then you don't have the payments, the monthly outlay of cash yep. and stuff. But if you're making more money,
1: from an investment, from an right? investment, yep. Yep. and
0: you can still cash flow and live comfortably and enjoy the lifestyle that you want. Then it doesn't hurt. I, I've even talked about chip mortgages, so those right. reverse mortgages, right? right? Uh, it, you know, a lot of people will go, "Oh, that's a curse." Don't talk about reverse mortgages, but I, I think for the right person. A reverse mortgage is not a bad idea.
2: Great, right, Yeah. Are you, I, I believe there's is that is, is a reverse mortgage, like a, like, like the same thing as having a home equity amount of credit and just drawing off of that. Is that what that entails?
0: So no, you, um, yeah, you could have something like that except for there's no payments throughout the term of the okay. mortgage. Right. Right? right. So they're going to give you up to 55% of the value, the current value of the home. And they are going to give you, um, Right. So it doesn't matter how old you are, it's only up to so the younger you are, the less money you get, right? Right, right. Because so the older you are, the more you'll get, right. And the thing is, yes, for this could, a lot of people will use a reverse mortgage for investing, Mm -hmm. draw $250,000, $300,000 equity out of their home, and invest it, no payments are required. Mm -hmm. your value, the value of your house continues to go up. Mm -hmm. And then and you can invest that money, use it to go on holidays, just enhance your lifestyle, right, which is not a bad thing. I will, there's no payments required. And I think that's the big thing for some people that want to put a mortgage on their property in their 70s or 80s. They don't necessarily want to have that payment. Yep. Right. And, and so to be able to invest that money, and then enjoy a better lifestyle in their golden years uh-huh.
1: i think the cool thing about the chips is that it, it comes in as its its return of capital on your on your property or your equity so it's yeah. not counted as income no so when people take that money out they don't have to declare it as income on their exactly. tax returns which keeps their income tax la- bracket low right um I know with the chips, I think, I think it's 55 and 55, 55% of the equity and no younger than 55, 55 right. years of age.
0: Right. And, but at 55 years of age, you're not going to get 55% of right. the equity in your house. You That's might right. get 25 or 30. Yes. Because the longer you have that, obviously, the more it's going to cost you.
1: Mm-hmm. The interest
0: rate is a little higher. Absolutely, but they've done all the studies that show that you know if you live there for another twenty years or twenty five years, the value of your house goes up enough to cover the value of what you owe back. Yeah, right. So I
1: think I think everyone's position is unique. You know, you, you, you can't say one product is ideal exactly. until you know the whole background. Exactly. Right? exactly. And but and- I'm
0: going to tell you if if my parents were in a position to to need it some people use this as debt repayment i have a i have an an older lady who she she loves her chip mortgage it has allowed her to maintain to stay in her home home, she had you know a line a large line of credit um and she had a little bit of debt so we did a chip mortgage and she is it has allowed her to stay in her home and that was her goal Right. was to stay in her big two-story sprawling home. Right. But it allowed her to do that.
1: And she didn't have to make those payments. That's I think that's the thing that sets the CHIP mortgages apart. Right, and from there,
0: having a home equity line of credit.
1: Right, right. Because you don't have to make any payments on it. Yep. So so you, you take it out and then you use it as you wish. And mm-hmm. so there is a lot of plan. I think there's a lot of planning around those types of uh, products. But like you said, um, when you're investing it, though um i think again that's a larger deeper conversation with the client about what what their risk and their appetite is for risk right. and because i mean you, you, there there's many products you can invest in that have really what i call zero risk because if you're investing in 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 etfs or stocks like the banks or the insurance companies where there's billions of dollars invested like like they have billions of dollars of assets available to them there's zero risk, you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't say that from a regulatory standpoint as mm-hmm. an advisor, but I can, what I can say is what are, what is the actual potential for all five big banks to go bankrupt in the same year? If the stock market has a correction. And I would say probably still zero right? because they, 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 even during the worst times in the the two major corrections, I've been involved in three major corrections and 2008 and then the one in 2020. And honestly, Stock prices of the banks dropped 28%, but they still made $2 billion per quarter mm-hmm. and they still paid their 5% dividend. Mm-hmm. They never miss it. So my, my, you know, response to people when they're worried about losing their money is just having a conversation about when do you need it? Right. So if you need it all in the next six months to 12 months, then you're going into a GIC. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I'm putting you into a daily interest savings account because you can't afford to any fluctuation. Yeah. But if it's a 10 year play and a long-term strategy where you're moving into a condo and you want to supplement your income and you want to take some of that money out and grow it so that when you move out of the condo, not only do you have the mortgage paid off, but you also have this asset that's appreciated by eight to 10%. Yeah. That's a great strategy, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got that spread of the mortgage payment, yep. which is two, two and a half, three percent, whatever, and the investment that's earning eight to 10. Right. So I'm like, okay, it might not earn you eight to ten each year, yep. some years might be double digits, some years might be two. But if you average it all out, and you're making a spread on what you're paying, mm-hmm. then that's a great strategy. Absolutely. If you can tolerate that, that what, like, as long as you don't get nervous about the ups and downs, and just let it roll. Mm-hmm. For most people, even I would say I have, I have an 82 year old man, Who's a client of mine, and he is one hundred percent in growth equity stocks. So there's a difference, oh. right? So there's equities. <laughs> just, I don't want to hijack the conversation, but there's growth equity stocks, which are smaller, medium-sized companies that are just they're pushing double-digit returns. But then they get double digits the other Losses, way too,
0: potentially. Yeah. And
1: then you got the blue chips, right, which are the dividend pairs, been around forever, IBMs, all that stuff. You know, they pay nice dividends. They don't fluctuate as much, and those. Uh, are less aggressive because like I said with the dividend well this guy's 82 and he's all in the growth ones and I'm like are you sure you don't want me to diversify this a little bit he's like nope I already know it's gonna be fine it doesn't matter how old I am when it cashes out of ca- I'm putting my foot on the floor so understanding the risk is
2: so important in the mm-hmm. financial plan right mm-hmm. and then yeah.
1: cash flow and all that stuff so yeah.
2: sorry about that guys yeah. I was just <laughs> <laughs> no it's good it's it's, it's and I'm, it. I'm guessing like yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll ask you yeah. one thing on it but like like what? So on the cash flow side, so say say I, I downsize my house and I have five hundred thousand dollars that I want to now invest to fuel my retirement. Like so, Darren, would you then, uh, you know, put not all five hundred thousand in the same thing, but you'd have you'd have layers of different investments so I could have a certain amount that's kind of more liquid, like the the GIC thing you're talking about, and then may have a little bit of growth and a little bit of like the blue chip. Stuff. So you have kind of like a whole mixture. Yeah, there, absolutely, it's like a pie. You know, I always. It's
1: funny, I usually call it what's called a cash leave. So if you think about it from a, a pie chart or something, right? right? Uh, because I meet with my clients every year, I say, okay, here's this cash, there's a sleeve. That is the growth stuff, and it's diversified across different countries. And then you have another sleeve that's the blue chip equities, you know, the stuff that, yeah, it's going to fluctuate, but it's not. You're still getting that 5% dividend, so don't worry about what the stock price does. And then you have that cash sleeve of, let's say, bonds, uh, bonds, GICs, treasury bills. It's not really going to fluctuate much. You're only going to earn about 2 or 3%, maybe, you know, if you do it properly. But that gives you peace of mind for probably 24 to 36 months. Right. So if you know the markets haven't real have never had a bad anything more than 6 to 8 months bad down period which is true even 2008 and the the great depression yeah. markets were only down for 6 to 8 months and then they started recovering. So if you know historically that's the case then if you've got a 36 month buffer period in there of cash what do you why why are you worried about it? Why are you worried about it? So now that cash leave pays out to you systematically on a monthly basis. And every year you just literally shift your pie. You sit there and you go, here's my cash leave of 30%, 20% of my equities, of my money. And now you come in and visit and you say, okay, we've depleted 10% of that. Let's just shift out of equities. It's a good time. Markets are up. Let's shift over another year of cash. Oh, markets are not doing well. Let's leave it as is, come back together in six months, see where they are still not in a good place we'll see it in 12 months and then when now that you've de- depleted uh, like one sleeve two sleeves now now you're almost two years into that cash markets are definitely going to be back up you shift that yeah. you see so it's yeah. all it's not about timing it's about strategy right, right? and that's i yeah, think that makes sometimes people um they have challenges because they're self-managing yeah. and they're trying emotionally yeah. to go in and out of the markets i can do a little bit better i can do
2: a little bit better mm-hmm. It never works out. It Absolutely. never works a no. right? So, you're right. anyways, yeah. Hopefully, that. Answers. That's smart. Yeah, I like that's. That makes a lot of, that that analogy to me and my limited financing brain makes a lot of sense. I like that. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, I like. We I think we so did a good much job. More to talk to you about. <laughs> you're not. You're you're very very uh, multifaceted. Like we can have these conversations about houses or finances and wills and powers of estates and. Hours of attorney and mm-hmm. all those things so thank you for joining us again
2: yeah yeah I know you're welcome so it's always uh, it's always fun I mean I, I always learn a few things get a few nuggets and tuck them in my back pocket and it's yeah it's, it's great
0: <laughs> right it's good for you because you know how to advise some of your clients and you may not be able to give advice on those things but little things will come in oh yeah this is what Darren said or this is what Tina said or or whatever and that's what I always find is that we always have great Great knowledge to share, and Mm -hmm. you can get a nugget to share and pass on to your clients just as much as we do.
2: Yeah. So it's great. Every day's a school day. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great
0: way if to put it. If you don't learn
2: something today, you shouldn't
0: get out of bed. Oh, that's i <laughs> fun loving
1: it. You know, and, and we're going we're gonna to get you back on, Adam. We'll talk about other transitions because there's yeah. so many other types of life transitions I think people can go to yeah. that impact real estate, that impact getting a mortgage, that yeah. impact financial planning, and everyone else in our group that mm-hmm. can speak to the different life transitions. Yeah. So thank you for being part of the group. And how
2: did people get a hold of you if they wanted to speak directly to you? So if you want to track me down, uh our website is autoaishome.com. Uh so you can uh, if you if you Google that, look for that, you'll you'll find me pretty quickly. Uh or alternatively, if you wanted to email me, you can do that direct as well. It's Adam at Ottawaishome.com. Excellent. And
1: they can also find you on the uh, mycleanbreak.ca website if they want to see your your web uh, that that webpage too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. So thank you again for joining us. Everyone, uh, thanks for being on the, uh, listening to the show. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. And we will see you on the other side of the mic.
0: You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Divorcenet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.